From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Do you solemnly swear or affirm that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you take this oath, this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations, you are now members. That was U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi administering the oath of office yesterday to Alaska's Mary Peltola and New Yorkers Pat Ryan and Joe Simfolonsky. Peltola was sworn in as the next member of the U.S. House of Representatives, filling the remainder of Don Young's term. Peltola makes history as the first Alaska native to serve in Congress. Capital City Fire and Rescue was on scene last night to a structure fire at 365 South Franklin in Juneau. CCFR said the automatic fire sprinkler system suppressed most of the active fire and said fire crews extinguished the remaining fire. Salvage operations were conducted to minimize water damage. The Alaska Health Fair is coming to Juneau next month in the Mendenhall Valley. The fair will be held at the Nugget Mall from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on October 14th and 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. on October 15th. Events are conducted by appointment, and you can set your appointment online. More available at KINYradio.com. Juno Assembly met on Monday night, and there were 30 individual items on the agenda. Deputy Mayor Maria Klavshevsky spoke about some topics that were highlighted during the meeting on the KINY Morning Show. Incentivizing housing and an alternative development overlay for the flats was passed. We did finally pass the Alternative Development Overlay District for downtown Juneau. Been working on that for many years. Uh, started working on it before the pandemic and finally finished it. it it's to um, con- basically make the flat neighborhood and those kinds of neighborhoods, there, there's a lot of non-conforming uses in there. Uh, and when people were going to redevelop their houses, um, they couldn't because they didn't meet the current code. So um, it, it's really it's a good thing to uh, incentivize housing. Five million will go towards developing more parking in the heart of downtown. We also appropriated some money that we got from the state, five million dollars, to uh, work on a, a capital improvement project regarding the parking garage, the North State Office Building parking garage try to uh, make there be more parking there. So, um, as you know, there's uh, a sea of surface parking there by Centennial Hall. Um, If we could get more people in the lot, we could uh, develop more of that, and so it's not just surface parking. Telephone Hill redevelopment is beginning, according to Glaszewski. We appropriated $100,000 regarding uh, redevelopment of Telephone Hill. So the city is going to get that property. It belongs to the state. We're in the process of they're in the process of uh, transferring ownership to the city, and uh, this is money to begin the process of what what would happen on that hill. There is also funds in the one percent sales tax if the voters pass that uh, this October uh, for redevelopment of that hill. But th- this is just to get things started. Um, no decisions at, at all have been made. This is to talk about what what w- would be the best use for that property. Pearson Hill developments could be coming as well. When we talked about several properties around Peterson Hill, um, there is a um, developer that would like to buy city property adjacent to those to that development, 
and uh, we authorize the manager to go speak with that particular developer and uh, talk about selling land to that developer. Um, it's a developer called Moline Investments. So, so again, a you know, try to get some city land into the hands of private developers to build some housing that we, as everybody knows, uh, we really need. Glasheski added that Clinkett and Haida is also seeking land on Peterson Hill. The annual meeting of the Southeast Conference kicked off yesterday in Ketchikan. Raincoast Data presented a Southeast by the Numbers report and spoke to job growth in the region. According to Raincoast's Milani Shivens, between 2020 and 2021, jobs were up by 5% in the region, adding 2,100 jobs. So not all of the jobs were distributed evenly as we as we built back our economy. When we look at jobs by counts, we had the highest job counts in Juneau. We added 600 jobs there. Sitka, we added 400 jobs. Right here in Ketchikan, we added 180 jobs. And also in Petersburg, we added 180 jobs. But when we look at percentage increase, our two communities that did the best were Huna and Gustavus, adding 18 and 19 percent more jobs to their economies in 2021 than in 2020. Petersburg, there was also just a number of other communities that had double-digit job growth. Petersburg at 15 percent. And further reported job statuses of Skagway, Sitka, and the Hyder Census area. Skagway was on the other end of the spectrum last year, as Caitlin knows. Um, We had our uh, largest job losses in in Skagway, but we have double-digit percentage job gains there in 2021. And Sitka with uh, 10% more jobs and Engen with 9% more jobs. On the other end, we have Hyder um, that did lose a significant number of jobs this year. Their economy is more closely tied in with the uh, Canadian economy than the rest of Southeast. Shivens broke down the job fluctuations in the past two years. If we look back, um, I'm just going to take June because I put this together when I had the June numbers. If we look back at June of 2020, we were down in Southeast Alaska by 24% of all jobs. Um, by the winter, we'd settled back to being 7 to 8% below of, of normal job levels. By June of 2021, we were down 18% of all jobs. And in the winter, we'd settle down to 3 to 4% below um, sort of job normal. And in June of 2022, we were still 12% below um, our, our normal uh, June employment. So this is a, we're, we're building back, but it's a, but we're building back. We're not entirely there yet. The Southeast Conference's annual meeting continues today, starting at 8 a.m. With $49 million in federal funding coming to Alaska's mariculture industry, the question is, what does it take to start a mariculture business? That question was put to Southeast Conference Executive Director Robert Venables. It's, it's not something you walk light, lightly into. Mm-hmm. It is a lot of work, and especially on the shellfish side, it takes a lot of years even before you start getting positive cash flow in. So it is, it is not for the faint of heart. But it is uh, definitely one of those areas that we're excited about because it's new wealth, it's new jobs, it's not something often economic development is, you know, how can we steal somebody else's idea or maybe something from down south and bring it into Alaska and do it better. But this is um, this is a whole new new industry that has um, had little bits of it going for, you know, the Alaska Native community has been doing it forever beyond time, but commercializing it and getting it to a scale that, goes beyond feeding your household or your community, but maybe the state or the nation. That's a different concept that uh, we're, we're pulling together. 
Venable said the industry first needs to grow in Alaska. I think a lot of it has to do with scale. The you know it's it's tough. Um, you know you've got folks that pour everything they've got into a small operation. Sure, they can make it profitable, but not to the scale to really call it an industry. And so we've got I mean Southeast and certainly the rest of the coastal area of this project has got phenomenal coastline. But there's you got to develop your markets, not just the product, because otherwise you just got a lot of products sitting around with nowhere to go. So this project is going to take a look at um, every facet of the industry, from you know the the seed and the the hatcheries, uh, you know, onto uh, through workforce development, uh, you know, to to marketing and understanding right. where the product will go at the end of the day. Southeast Comforts Executive Director Robert Venables, Governor Mike Dunleavy has signed Senate Bill 185. Legislation repealing the minimum wage exemption for Alaskans with disabilities. Senate President Peter Machicki is the chief sponsor of the bill. You know, I've been serving on the governor's council for disabilities and special education for quite some time, and I've learned a lot. And the bottom line is this. Um, we have thousands of Alaskans, um, Alaskans with disabilities that are not only gainfully employed, but um, often surpass the performance and um, dedication of their non-disabled counterparts. So um, I, I guess I see the written law as kind of uh, mirroring the values of a society. And the, the fact that it was still written that um, folks could receive less than minimum wage if they are impaired by physical or mental deficiency, age, or injury, I found it to be quite offensive. And um, we discussed it within the council. It became a key issue for them, and we decided to take it on. And I'm, I'm very proud of the outcome and, and um, thankful that the governor is willing to sign that bill today. Michiki added that he was extremely proud of what the bill accomplishes. There's a key factor playing into the Constitutional Convention question, population. That was a word from Juno Senator Jesse Keel, who explained the issue if a convention were to be held while on action line. Back in the 1950s, <clears throat> coastal Alaska had a lot of population, and uh, we had a lot of delegates to the convention. And they just barely got the capital being in Juneau, in a transition section of our Constitution, right? And, of course, we saw back in the 60s and 70s that uh, that, that wasn't binding. Uh, there's the potential for a capital move. And we have fought the terrible idea, the huge waste of money, and the colossal damage to Southeast that a capital move would, uh, would wreak on us. Keel says the population in Alaska has shifted to the rail belt. So we had more folks who said, of course, the capital can be in Juneau. There's nothing. In fact, they had this vision, right? Three great centers. The center of commerce was in Anchorage, right? They put the center of learning at, at Fairbanks with the university and the center of government in southeast Alaska at Juneau with the capital, right? But the population since then has moved to the rail belt where commerce is in huge, huge numbers, huge proportions, right? Back in the 50s, when we had a fair share, fair balance of the state's population, they almost didn't put Juno as the capital, almost didn't succeed in protecting it, right, in the Constitution. A convention today, the other guys have the votes. They have the population numbers. The full program with Senator Keel will air later this morning at 1035. The Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly says Alaskan Republican gubernatorial candidate Charlie Pierce was asked to consider voluntarily resigning as borough mayor 
after a borough employee made what were deemed to be credible claims of harassment against him. The statement does not discuss that point further. Pierce's campaign last month said he would resign effective September 30th to focus on his campaign. Pierce told Anchorage TV station KTUU that he is not at liberty to discuss a confidential personnel matter, but says his resignation was planned contingent on the election results and communicated weeks ago. The Anchorage Daily News reports that the borough assembly released the statement Sunday and opted against releasing an investigation conducted by an Anchorage law firm into the allegations. The gray and gloomy skies in southeast Alaska this week will bring some rain throughout the region, but won't be as wet as last week. National Weather Service meteorologist Caleb Cravens has the forecast through the weekend. We're looking at a system moving through today, uh, this Tuesday, uh, along the northeast Gulf Coast, and it has some pretty good rain amounts with it. Uh, it's going to be moving through the northern panhandle through Wednesday night. We're looking at rain accumulations anywhere from half an inch to an inch and a half to two inches with the highest amounts focused on Yakutat. Down towards the Juneau area, we're looking more like a half an inch to an inch through Wednesday night. Uh, after midweek, we really go into just a shower pattern where we'll have some sky rain showers and then uh, potentially a little bit of dry period uh, to end the week. And then um, going into the weekend, just some uh, scattered showers. So uh, not looking at anything uh, too crazy the, to end this week as far as weather goes. Meteorologist Caleb Cravens. That was renowned jazz pianist Ramsey Lewis, whose music entertained fans over a more than 60-year career. It was a career that began with the Ramsey Lewis Trio and made him one of the country's most successful jazz musicians. Lewis has died. He was 87. According to ABC News, Lewis died Monday in his sleep at his Chicago home. Lewis has hosted a weekly show on KINY on Sunday mornings since 2009. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.